Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Gus, the first meal I had outside my own home following the quarantine was at your house. Brought over a bunch of meat. I brought over my Alpine Touch, but I didn't bring it home. I forgot it at your place. Our first meal was made better, as every meal is made better by Alpine Touch on basically everything. I put Alpine Touch hickory smoke on my cereal in the morning. <laughs> It's, it's reached that level of usage. And the fact that you left it, I knew that you left it at my house. You brought it over, left it at my house. And like a real jerk, I said nothing to you because I was like, well, that's mine, dude. That's it. You came to my house. You left it in my house. And I'm eating all of it. We've gotten so far into this Alpine Touch obsession, I think, that I just think we might be able to host a podcast about all the things that you can make with Alpine Touch. It would be short. Everything. (laughs) They have a bunch of different varieties of spices, as we know. Uh, They are local from the state of Montana. Shoto, shout out, original Alpine Touch. And it's great when it's not just local, when it's not just supporting the state of Montana, but when it's also actually the best thing that you can get. I mean, when it comes to spices, uh, it's second to none. So, boys and girls, use your Alpine Touch. Colter, tell them where they can get it. AlpineTouch.com, no matter where you're at in the entire world listening to this, if you are in the United States of America and you make an order of over $50, which, you know, if you get yourself the Grand Slam and maybe some barbecue sauce, some sunflower seeds, you're there. Free shipping anywhere in the United States of America right now. Uh, so go to AlpineTouch.com. They're rolling out all their summer Big Mountain flavor packages. The sunflower shoots are really, really good as well. Alpine Touch has got you covered. Alpine Touch, Montana's special spice. Now from the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanez. Just listening to this in the break, and now I'm listening to it in the break. How do you like that? It's Tutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Outstanding to be with you as we launch into our number two of the big show. We are happy to be broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polera Studios. If you missed anything in the first hour of the show, check it out on the podcast. The Tutel Nuanas podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. It's there all the time, and it is available thanks to our friends at Blackfoot and our friends at Alpine Touch. Uh, if you would like to pick up your phone and call, 361-3688 is the number. All guests join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. And if you would like to go ahead and play along on the World Wide Web in real time, listen live to the station 24 hours a day and to this show two hours a day, you go to 1029ESPN.com. You jump on the Listen Live tab. It's a stream. It will carry you to us, and the stream is there thanks to Opportunity Bank, your local bank. Your opportunity. Coulter had a chance today to uh, catch up with Byron Hout of uh, Montana State. He's the defensive line coach. He's going into his fifth season as the defensive line coach of Montana State, which maybe doesn't seem like all that much, but when you talk about a young, up-and-coming coach who's a positional coach like that, those 
those are positions of pretty high turnover on a staff that has had a lot of turnover just in general for Certainly. Jeff Choate. So especially on the defensive side, pretty you know he's he's a as, as we sort of joke about, but not really. He is a veteran of this staff yep. at this point with Jeff Choate at Montana State. Also a, a, a just superlative playing career for the Boise State. Again, uh, a, a linebacker there was a four-year letterman, a two-year starter, a second-team All-Mountain West selection, and a uh, winner of a Fiesta Bowl. 50-3 and three in his career, uh, college as a playing career, uh, was uh, Byron House. So really fun to talk to him in this, our uh, ESPN roundtable presented by Paradise Falls. And he has a distinctly uh, <clears throat> unique story in terms of him on this staff because, like you said, I mean, Jeff Choate's had five offensive coordinators, I guess four offensive coordinators, and... You know, Ty Gregorak is a DC, and then Ken Ione leaving to Washington, coming back to be the defensive, right. uh, the defensive coordinator. Jared, I mean, they've had multiple secondary coaches. They've really moved coaches around as well. I mean, multiple guys on the staff, even if they've been there all five years, have coached multiple positions. Sometimes BJ Robertson's coached tight ends. Sometimes he's coached special teams. All the while being the high school uh, director of high school relations, but Byron Hout has coached the same position. He's the only guy on the staff that's coached the same position for all five years. But it's distinctly unique because as a guy who spent time with Jeff Choate at Boise State, he's been the sort of protege because Jeff Choate, although Choate coached running backs and linebackers in his career you know, between stops at Utah State and Boise State and Washington State, this decade during his college football career, he really made his name as a defensive line coach. And I think he's one of the best defensive line tutors and teachers in the country, Jeff Choate is. So then to... Take a job as a when Byron Howe was hired, a 26 year old, first time full time assistant coach. Right. He had been a grad assistant a couple places, Washington State, Boise State, but never a position coach. And, and now you're you're coaching under a first time <coughs> head coach who loves coaching football as much as any head coach I've ever seen. And it was honestly an interesting balancing act at first because Choate just can't help himself. He gets into the drills and he's doing it. And it was almost as if Byron Howe was the assistant D line coach for several years. Mm. But he's really grown as a coach. And, I mean, let's be honest, the proof's in the pudding. I mean, when you lose guys like Tyrone Fanono and Zach Wright and Tucker Yates, all three all-conference guys, you may be expected dip. No dip last year. Derek Marks and Bryce Dirk were all, and Chase Benson were all all-conference guys again last year. So it's not just the same guys, it's new guys. I mean, Byron's must have coached close to 10 all-conference players already. And so he's doing a great job. But also, I think it comes with a lot of pressure being underneath the head coach who also is one of the great D-line coaches. So for him to stick it out and involve like he has, uh, it's pretty cool. I think that uh, I think he's one of the good young coaches in the big sky, and, and his unit proves that for him, especially each of the last two years. Well, enjoy our ESPN roundtable every Wednesday, 5 o'clock this week. Montana State defensive line coach Byron Hout. Well, happy to be joined in the ESPN roundtable via Zoom today uh, with the defensive line coach at Montana State University, a Boise State alum, Byron Hout, joining us. Coach, thanks so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Uh, this year, obviously, has been very atypical, uh, but it's also an interesting year on your with your position group because some outstanding players have graduated now from the Montana State defensive line. Derek Marks, obviously, Bryce Sturk as well among them. When it comes to trying to replace the productivity, a guy like Kane Ione we talked to, he's like, you're not finding another Bryce Sturk, but you have to do it as a group just to replace that whole, you know, kind of core that was there. Where are we at with that this year as you look, you know, on, on, on what's there, who's coming back, and new guys that are going to have to fill some roles? No, thanks for having me, guys. And and to answer your question, I think we're we're kind of in a, in a mode where I'd have to trust that these guys have been doing their their off season workouts, and and I know those those guys that you mes- mentioned, Sterk and and Marks, have left a legacy, and the guys before them, you know, Tucker and Tyrone, and and, and just the way the defense has been built, that is the expectation to do a lot on your own, do extra, and so. You know, as a collective group, hopefully we get back and, and start fall camp and um, there isn't a lot of drop-off. You know, these young guys are, are emerging. And, um, you know, it, it's interesting because you, you mentioned you had had these guys leaving and they were, you know, key players. And um, I've been at some places where that happens. And, and oddly enough, the next year you have more production. Um, you know, that was an, uh, an instance I even, you know, know Coach Choate's been a part of that at Washington even. 
Um, and so it's, it just, you know, every year you, you, you don't know. Um, and, and you'd like to sit here and think you got, you know, all these special tools and, and you feel really good about them, but a guy can, you know, go down like that. And, and so every week, and I think especially in the, the climate we're in, you just got to take it week to week. It's interesting watching your guys' group because you know, I know that Coach Choate and your guys' whole staff put such a high priority on both the offensive and defensive lines when you guys first got there. And that seems to be paying out. I mean, it seems like that's come to fruition. But just from like an intangible leadership perspective, it's interesting too, right? Because you guys have had multiple captains on the D-line. And, and it seems like even when you do lose a Zach Ryder or Tucker Yates, you have a couple guys waiting in the wings like Derek Marks and Bryce Turk. How do you cultivate that element of it and have guys be ready to step into leadership roles so quickly? Um, again, it goes, goes down to trusting that those, those players are, are having the positive interactions with each other, um, throughout, you know, as a senior, as a freshman, that, that, that seniors taking that freshman from day one and, and having a conversation out, out on the way to practice, you know, just making them feel part of the team. And then it progresses from there. So, so now the, the, the senior and the freshman trust each other and now they can build that bond. And, and so, you know, when, when that freshman turns out to be a senior, he's going to remember that. And, and, and so that's kind of how it starts. And then it progresses through their, their work ethic. And, and these guys uh, having a tremendous work ethic and doing a lot on their own. So they, they like to get together in groups of three or four and, and do, you know, workouts. They're just obsessed with it. And so um, having, having those guys in that work ethic and, and that being instilled, like I said, going back to, to when Brownlow was here, you know, um, I was, you know, just very fortunate enough to kind of have some great senior leadership all the way through uh, my time here. And, and, and so it's a snowball effect, right? It's not something that you, you build and, and just go back to square one and just, just builds on each other. So that, so now every year is the new standard is the new expectation. Byron Hout joining us, defensive line coach at Montana State for the ESPN Roundtable. And, Byron, you've been at MSU now since 2016. You're one of the veterans on the staff. And you're the old dog, that's right. Uh, when you first started, Ty Gregorak was the D.C. Now it's been Ken Ione. You've been with him for a year going into uh, year two. What's What does he bring? Obviously, one of the all-time great Bobcats. But as a coach, leader of a defensive staff, what does he, what does he bring to the table? Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a story about Kane. When I first got here, um, when she was the linebacker coach, you know, I think, I think one of the, the pieces of advice he gave me was just, you know, be yourself, you know, just, just be you, you know, when you're coaching, just be you. Cause, uh, people kind of see through that and, and you gotta be comfortable doing it. And, and I think as a young coach hearing that, um, kind of shaped me into who I am. You know, I, I am very confident in, in myself, and um, he probably doesn't remember that conversation, but I think Kane is such a wise uh, guy. It, it, he's, he's just so wise. He just has those little nuggets of advice, and, and if you just listen, um, you're going to pick up on something from him. So um, that's been really fun. And then just as a, as a scheme guy, he's so organized, and, and, and we do things so collectively together um, that, that he, it's been really fun and, and a great experience for me. So interesting that Ken Ione played at Montana State, you know, almost 20 years ago now. I mean, 2000, 2003. But when he was playing, he was playing for Coach Krakowski, playing for Pete Krakowski. And then Pete Krakowski then goes on to play a boy, or coach at Boise State where you played. So do you guys ever, I mean, tell stories about Coach Krakowski? I mean, it's interesting that you guys are quite a bit apart in age, but have had the same coaches. That's it's, it's kind of fascinating. So do you guys ever compare notes on what it was like playing for those guys? Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean it's so funny because, you know, he was, he was at Washington too. So he, you know, he played and then he was right. also so as a coach and uh, you know, coach, coach Wachowski, he's got his own, his own verbs and, 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 you know, his own uh, coach sayings. And, and so we might repeat those and, and have a laugh or two, but uh, you go up into the the Bobcat uh, complex up above the stadium there in in the suites, and you see all the history. And you go we look through it, and then okay, there's Marcel Yates, you know, who was who was uh, the the defensive backs coach, and then the D coordinator when I was a GA. Uh, then you see Junior Adams, okay, he was the wide receiver coach um, at Boise State when I was a GA. And so it's it's just funny to see all these kind of connections. Um, 
and, and the history and, you know, Dennis Erickson, you know, who I've run into multiple times in Coeur d'Alene, um, you know, just the, the, the history and the connection of this, this place. Um, it's pretty cool. At Blackfoot Communications, we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running. From networks and security to communications and 24-7 support, we evaluate your current state infrastructure and deploy the right technology solution for your future. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, Blackfoot is here to help. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash business to learn more. You know, you uh, obviously played in the late 2000s or a great defensive uh, lineman and player for Boise State in your time there in the Mountain West. But it also seems, I mean, football seems to progress so quickly in terms of the new schemes and the new developments, X's and O's wise. I'm curious on the defensive line, how have you seen it? I mean, it seems the emphasis of getting over to the quarterback has always been very high, but it seems at an extreme now. And it used to be you got to come off the edge to do this. And now it's coming from everywhere, double A gap blitzes, different things like that. So you as a linebacker, you know, rushing the quarterback, doing what you did as a player to now, how much have you seen the, the, the progression and what do you expect, what do you need to do as a defensive line in total in 2020? Yeah, I mean, I, I've noticed, or maybe it seemed like when I was playing, uh, we were pri primarily a four down. Uh, we got into the odd my senior year, going junior, senior year. So we, we kind of made that transition to, to odd. And I think you see a lot more teams doing odd defenses now, uh, post-safety especially, uh, because it's a little bit tighter coverage, um, whereas, you know, it was four down quarters um, previously. And so um, the schematics, the tighter coverage, when you're talking about the blitzing and you do get into those odd fronts, a lot of teams are going to man protect. And, and, you know, that's as opposed to, uh, protecting gaps or an area. Um, and so that's tough too now because you're t saying it's a one-on-one -on -one situation if you're man protecting. And so, um, you know, now you say, okay, I'm going to put my guy uh, against your worst guy because I know I can get a one-on-one -on -one situation. So it's just about, you know, finding those, finding the protection schemes. Um, but I would say that odd to, to four down maybe difference is, has picked up. From a recruiting perspective, and you, you know, you see it in the top down too in the NFL – I think that 19 of 30 teams are running odd man fronts now. It seems like you can get more athletes. You don't have to have necessarily as many big guys. I mean, do you see that element of it? I mean, do you think you can just get more guys on the field that are maybe more, quote-unquote, normal body types? Yeah, you, you, you know, it's interesting. Um, when, you, when you're running that odd, though, you're, you're almost looking – you want that big, super nasty nose guard that's going to take two eight gaps, right? And, and what you see in the NFL a lot of times too is, is uh, the end and the tackle are also pretty big bodies. Um, you, you know, if you're running a four down, you might not put that end at, at the four down at that defense, but he's, he is a true four eye player. And so those three guys are big, but then you have this, okay, the Sam and the, and the outside, or the outside backers now, and that's where you're seeing those freak athletes. That's when you're seeing those guys that, Hey, they can cover a, a guy, but they can also rush the passer. You know, and so that's that's where you're seeing that the the difference is now a guy that can rush the passer is also being able to cover um, pretty well. Speaking of guys that, he, he, it's so interesting. Like Bryce Sturck playing the four eye and your guys' defense. I mean, he's obviously he's a huge guy for the FCS. But yeah. Even he's probably not big enough to play that position in the NFL, right? That's how big you have to be. But what do you think of just the way that he's going to try to have to make this transition to Miami? I mean going from defensive line now to tight end, it seems like he has some innate skills, but also it's going to be a big learning curve. I mean, as a guy that coached him his whole career, what do you think of this, this, this transition he's facing? You, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting um, to see where they, they put him as he's he going to be a true inline tight end, which I think he probably is, or, you know, do they plan on flexing him out? I don't know. Uh, but uh, as far as from a, a playing standpoint, Bryce was so good at reactions. Um, so, so he couldn't tell if a guy was really heavy and going to come at him tough. Okay. I'm just going to lay that guy. And so, you know, um, he was really good at playing the game within the game. I thought, uh, and, and what they're going to be asking them to do, um, you know, 
uh, hopefully is pretty simple. I, I not not that he wouldn't be able to pick up anything, but just from what I've heard, the NFL they don't they don't like to overcomplicate a lot of stuff, you know. Um, and so I, I don't think he'll have any problem picking up the tight end from the schematic point. I don't. Byron Howe joining us, defensive line coach at Montana State, been there since 2016, played football at Boise State uh, in the uh, late 2000s on what was not a very good Boise team. I think only 50-3, and three. was that the record uh, over the course it, of your time it, it, there? It was tough, man. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of long nights. <laughs> well, well, we'll get into your time as a player here in just a minute, but I wanted to just dovetail on what Coulter had asked, you know, when it comes to recruiting. Obviously, if you could put together – you know, your your dream defensive line body type and you put Aaron Donald in the middle and you put, you know, Lawrence Taylor on the outside or whatever, and you just yeah. go win games. But at the FCS level, it's a lot about projections when you talk about recruiting, who you're going to bring in. And I know that versatility is huge right now in football in general, and you want it to be that too. But you find yourself having to find guys who are really good at something that's specific and use them in that way because – just picking guys off the shelf that have the body and athleticism to be really versatile maybe isn't there at this level? Um, y yes and, and no. I mean, we're I, I look at it maybe like this. Like, your, your, your pass rusher that you recruit, if he gets too big or isn't the greatest pass rusher, now you're moving him to a D end. Okay, if that D end you recruited, maybe he grew a little bit too much or, or in a good way, and now you're moving him to tackle. Maybe that tackle grew a little bit, you know, he, he really grew. Now you can move him to nose. And so, you know, you're hoping you're, they, they just keep growing. And so you're, you're looking for, that's why I say that pass rushing kind of natural ability is what a, a lot of people look at because it's going to show the athlete. Um, and then you're looking at frame size, uh, you know, um, length, arm length, a lot of different factors go into it, but um the, the bottom line is is long is, is again it, your length and ability to bend and athleticism is is a premium for us on the on the D line, and then it's just about putting you in the position on how big you're, you're going to get. Last question about the current state of affairs before we get into some of the stuff about you. Uh, I mean, you mentioned wanting to have a big, mean guy on the inside first and foremost, and you guys have, and in my opinion, maybe the biggest, meanest guy that's returning in the league in Chase Benson. Great story. I mean, he has an awesome story, a kid that, you know, I think that he's really come into his own as both a player and a person at Montana State. What have you thought is his development and how primed is he for a big senior year? I, I, I think he's every year gotten better. And so um, if he continues that growth, he's going to have a big senior season. Um, I know he has been, you know, working out in his, his garage all all, all during this time, and now he's back in the workouts and, and still doing some at home. So um, he he's, he looks good. His weight's up, and and uh, you know if he's gonna he's gonna be healthy and and in the best shape of his life come come August. Let's hope. Two Tell Nuanas, ESPN Radio, the ESPN Roundtable with Byron Hout, the defensive line coach at Montana State. And, Coach, wanted to talk with you, obviously, now about your time as, as a Bronco and your playing time at Boise State. Uh, Boise State has been a, a, a great and perhaps the best sort of group of five or mid-major football school of the last 15 to 20 years. But at the time that you were there, I mean, it was even a high water mark for the Broncos. You go 50 and three during the time. You go to the Fiesta Bowl in 2009, which you played in. Were you aware as a player at the time the anomaly that it was to be doing this at Boise State, or did you just go, "Hey, this is what we do. Everybody else has got no idea." I mean, in in a way, yeah. We we we. Uh... We work hard. We worked hard, and, and we, we uh, had that confidence in ourselves that, um, you know, we were, we obviously hadn't lost a lot. So so you're, you're going into a game very confident, but knowing you're going to get everybody's best, and so it, it's almost it's a it's it, the more you win, the more the stakes are on the table, right? Right, and so every week it gets it gets higher and higher. Uh, that that pressure gets higher and higher, and so you know you kind of felt that as a as a player at least, knowing the stakes. Hey, you know we we win because that's what we do, and and that's the expectation. Knowing that the whole anomaly, I mean, you're not thinking big picture. You're you're really not. 
Um, you're really just focusing on, on that week. It's, it's such a special thing when it happens in college football. We've seen it at a few different places, whether it's Alabama, Clemson, Boise State, Montana for a little while, the previous decade, North Dakota State this decade. How do you reach that point, though? Because it seems as if it's, it has to be instilled. You have to have a foundation. And then there's a tipping point where then people just kind of refuse to lose. And NDSU is kind of there right now. How do you reach that point? Though? What is the tipping point? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I want to equate it to, again, that snowball effect. It's not, you know, it's something that as it gets going, it gets bigger and bigger. And, and as we won it more and more, we got hungrier and hungrier for it, you know, because that – Again, the losses mean even more, you know, and and uh, when you have that few of them, and so winning was when when that mindset again, and a lot of it was confidence. It's just the way you carry yourself that that's a lot of people might want to call it swagger, whatever, but that confidence in yourself, um, I think, has a lot to do with it. So if you might get into a tight game, you might be down in, in the fourth quarter but you have that confidence that you're going to win that, that does a lot for you to come back, you know, maybe from a game. And so um, I think you got to, the culture, like you said, culture has got to be there. But once you start that, that snowball effect of winning every week just becomes more and more important. You know, I want to ask you specifically about that Fiesta Bowl that was in 2010 coming through the 20, 2009 season you go against TCU, the number four team in the nation. But really, what I'm interested in is just the experience as a whole because that is the pinnacle, even at that time, of, of college football. The Fiesta Bowl, I mean, it's as big as it possibly gets in that huge national stage. What was it like to, to travel, to go play in the game, to have all the circus and the events surrounding it, and then and then ultimately to win in a great you know, 17-10 victory? Yeah, I mean – you're talking, go to Descano, you know, take the whole team to Descano's, you know, on the Wednesday night before the game, you know, eat 300 pounds of beef, <laughs> you know. Though, yeah, Descano's like an all-you-can-eat Brazilian food place, right? So they take – or maybe it was Foco de Chao. But anyways, they take us to this awesome restaurant. So you're getting treated like kings and queens for a week, basically. Um, you know, bowl – it's an unbelievable experience for for the kids. And it's it's – um, you know, it's like a second Christmas at that point, <laughs> you know, you had Christmas and then, and then you go and you have a second Christmas, at, uh, and then to finish it off that night, um, coming back to the hotel and, and, and just seeing some of the guys that you might not see again, cause they're seniors and leaving. Right. And so, um, and everybody's kind of saying their, their farewells cause you, you're not going to see each other for a couple more weeks, you know, on break. And so that's a big, uh, enjoyment and, and, a, and a lot of, uh, bonding goes on. And, and so it's a, unbelievable experience to be treated treated the way they, they, they treat those guys. Now, Coulter and I always argue about the Bulls in FBS football and whether how, how, how much they mean, how much they don't mean. Some of the smaller ones you go, okay. Yeah. Some of the big ones you're like, this is big time. We both agree that having a tournament to determine a national champion is ideal, which you get to do at the FCS level. But I continue to remain – into the Bulls as such at the FBS level as well. Colter not so much. So you tell me you've been on both sides of this thing. Where are we at with the Bulls and their relevance to teams that play in them? Wow. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I Honestly, I don't think about it probably as much as you guys you know, do, which is, your, is our which job. is your job. This is what you guys got to do. You got you to gotta come up with the plan, <laughs> present the plan, Get us all on board. It'll be a grass, you know, roots movement, you know, that 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 you guys are throwing down. And, and Dude, hey, I, we'll we maybe we'll get you guys on the committee. We'll, we'll email you it to it. now. We've already written it. It's done. It's done. Send the proposal. <laughs> <laughs> during, during your time, though, at, at Boise State, it was uh, definitely a distinct – culture that then, you know, Chris Peterson, that, that word is used so much with him and, and you see it with the guys that came from that same, you know, UC Davis coaching tree, Dan Hawkins and, you know, a whole bunch of other guys, Paul Hackett, guys that rose through the coaching ranks. But how similar is what you guys are trying to do at Montana State under Jeff Choate to what you guys had at Boise State? Um, yeah, the, the, 
you know, culture piece, like you mentioned that, that word, um, I'm sure every program is going to have a culture. Um, and you know, when, when we thought about ours at Boise state, as it, as it, it kind of came from the team and when we're doing it here at Montana state, this is a player run program, you know, we want this or player driven program. We want to be, you know, have a lot of input. And so that's what we do. We sit down uh, with our team and, and we collaborate on it. Okay. Uh, what, what is really important to our team brotherhood. Okay. Uh, trust being competitive, uh, you know, winning all of our home games, whatever it may be that we come up with as a team. Um, it is that it is came up through a team. And so, uh, you know, it might change here or there, but I think the, the bottom line of um, trust and, and, and love your teammates and, and respect them, you know, um, and, and just some of the things of being a good human being uh, that, that is, is taught throughout, throughout life that you need to go through. Uh, it, maybe you haven't experienced that yet. You know, maybe it's, it's guys that, they're 18. They've had it for 18 years. Maybe it's a guy that hasn't had that for any years of his life. And so that's the cool thing is you get, you get everybody from different spectrums and different out, uh, um, areas in, in that melting pot. You know, it's interesting. Most coaches in football are former players of one sort or another, but most players don't ultimately go into coaching. And if you, you would certainly talk to people and know the grind that it is to be a coach. Why was that the, the, the path that you wanted to choose and go down? Um, I think for me, I've always wanted to help people. And, and like I said, getting enjoyment out of their enjoyment um, or, or seeing them learn or seeing something connect. Again, that's just for me. That's always been a passion of mine. Um, and getting to do that through football, um, you know, I was a – uh, a communications major, wanted to be an education major, uh, started off as an education major, but had to switch um, because of my football career. Uh, got a, a master's in special education. Um, and so the learning and, and really how things work in, in general, how the brain works, how this computer, that's always been a, a huge geek out. You know, I always joke that I'm, I'm a jock nerd. I'm like the, like the crossover, right? Um, I'm going to be the one that brings us together in the end. <laughs> That's good. So, I like that. <laughs> so you're a GA at Wazoo for a year. Then you go back to Boise State. You're there for a couple of years. But your first coaching job, assistant coaching job, has been at Montana State. And you've been there five years. There's been a fair amount of turnover on this staff. And also just young aspiring coaches often aren't around all that long. So you really are a veteran. Why has it worked for you? at Montana State with Jeff? Um, for me, uh, I'm getting what I want. I, I'm, I am uh, reaching Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and so to speak. I, I have uh, a great place to live. I, I get to go to work where I love it, where my boss, uh, I don't hate, you know. I, I, I enjoy my boss. Um, the people in this town getting to talk to you guys, I mean, this is, this is awesome. And, and so I'm getting a lot of, of everything I want right now. And, um, you know, when you have all those boxes checked, uh, um, sometimes you got to self-evaluate and, and reevaluate if those boxes aren't checked, but right now they are. God bless you for bringing up Maslow's hierarchy. <laughs> we have not had that yet. It's been, I've been waiting. When is somebody going to use this? <laughs> I, I told you. I told you. I'm bridging the gap, man. Bridge the gap, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> well, last, uh, last question on my side. The, uh, it's been an interesting evolution for you, too, as a guy who played linebacker in college but then coached a different position. And not only that, but the head coach is one of the elite D-line coaches in the country. And so I know the first couple of years, I mean, Joe can't help himself. He jumps into all the D-line drills. He's always helping out with the D-line. So learning from him, though, and growing under him and now kind of growing yourself, and he gives you so much control of the room now, what's that part been like? Uh, it's, it's been great. Just the, the, the process of, of, again, year one, you know, sitting back and taking notes. You're, you know, and I still take, take notes every time. Um, and now we just play off of each other too. We've gotten, so we, we know, is, is he about to come in and yell or is he going to be calm and I need to yell, you know, cause you can't have, to, it's a good cop, bad cop deal. Right. And, and so um, we can play off of each other that way. Um, 
I feel comfortable uh, uh, in, in asking him to do things for me. But at the same time, I'm not asking him to do as much. You know, I, I feel more confident in myself over the years to uh, have have more of that responsibility on myself. And so um, it's always good, though, when I think your boss, you know, is has an eye on you. You know, it always makes you, you know, work that much harder, right? Well, Byron, I'll tell you what, we really appreciate your time. Uh, we are optimistic and excited about football returning, as I know that you are as well, and we'll certainly look forward to watching uh, the Bobcats in general and your defensive line and their, you know, what they're able to do this. We're pumped about it. Thanks so much. Uh, thanks for having me, and uh, appreciate you guys. Go Cats. There you go. Byron Howe, defensive line coach, the Montana State Bobcats. Great to have him on. Fun stories, man. Great, great, uh, great thoughts. And yeah, I could go for the all you could eat Brazilian, cut it off the deal at your you table. Oh, are you kidding me? You and I went to a place in Coeur d'Alene mm-hmm. a couple years ago yeah. like that. Yeah. And uh, I've they're, they're, they vary in degrees, I must say. I've sure. been to several of them. There's some, they're, they're always good, but there's some that are elite, others that are very good. If you can find an elite one, it is a life-changing experience if you are an omnivore like myself. Or a carnivore. Right. I mean, you could be you could be a carnivore. Hopefully, you're not. Tommy's the only carnivore I know. <laughs> you know occasionally, he mixes in a piece of bread somewhere. Uh, that's pretty good. All right. That is our uh, ESPN roundtable. It, it will air again tomorrow in the uh, noon hour. And then uh, always, uh, you can find the series of these at SkylineSportsMT.com. It's part of the Big Sky Breakdown podcast series. ESPN Roundtable is presented by our friends at Paradise Falls, Coulter Paradise Falls on the south end of town. One of the, uh, you know, not a very huge number of places you can go sit and uh, eat 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. in there. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, the whole the whole gamut at Paradise Falls. Right now offering two happy hours. Late happy hour runs Monday through Thursday. Half price apps, half price cocktails, as well as $3 beers. If and when sports come back, I guess they are. We know that there's not an if and when now. The NBA will return here in uh, about six weeks. Yep. Maybe some Major League Baseball, but there's always something on the televisions. PGA is coming back. Paradise Tomorrow. Falls, Paradise Falls has 30 big screen TVs. Also have 18 draft beers. Specialty cocktails available anytime during the day. One of the best casinos in town. One of the best back porches in town as well. So head on over to Paradise Falls, 3621 Brook Street in Missoula. Missoula's coolest hot spot. Boys and girls, it is time for another Wing It Wednesday. Give us a call right now, 361-3688, 361-3688. Coulter's got some questions for you. We got wings, we got shirts, we got coffee. You're going to get the whole kit and caboodle today, 361-3688. You want to answer some questions, play a little trivia with us. We'll do it right after this. Coulter, during this time where we got to be a little bit socially distanced, it's nice to know we can get out on the links and play a little bit of golf. And nobody better than Western Birch to get your round started right. That's right. Golf's been definitely one of my favorite pastimes during quarantine times. And just recently landed my new Western Birch customized golf tees. Go check out Western Birch golf tees at westernbirch.com. These classy golf tees are made of 100% white birch hardwood and printed with high quality color right here in the United States. A company founded right here in Montana. These durable wood golf tees, perfect way for you to market your business. Just think, anytime you break a tee, your brand is sitting on the tee box forever. You can hand them out to your clients, your buddies, your golf partners, whoever. Great way to earn top-of-mind awareness while also playing a sport we all love. Yeah, and you can check out all the cool designs online at westernbirch.com. Add your logo on a 1,000 of any of their tees for $150 delivered to your door. Give them to clients, friends, watch them get impressed by the quality of the look of a simple golf tee and by your creativity. Give Western Birch the opportunity to show you what they are talking about. Email and ask for Chad at info at westernbirch.com, info at westernbirch.com, or follow on Instagram and Facebook, westernbirch.com. You want to do a Wing It Wednesday? Why not? We got wings to the Desperado. Best wings in the city of Missoula, according to you, the voting public. We also got a shirt and, just for calling in today, a bag of coffee. That's right. Coffee drinkers out there from uh, Craven's Coffee. 361-3688, the phone number. 361-3688, the phone number. Uh, And uh, 
we'll uh, we'll do some questions. We'll play a little game with you here. You know, I was thinking about this, Coulter, uh, when we've talked about the recruiting that's happening. Last week we had a number of recruits on. We're looking forward to, uh, uh, I think, Kevin Jace Kusowicz on the show as well as we're able to get him uh, to talk to him as well. But one thing, and now some of this – I don't want to say it's tongue-in-cheek, but I do think that it's it's uh, uh, impactful at this level. Almost to a kid, these guys have all cited their academics and the sure. programs that they wanted to go into. And I think that one thing at the FCS level particularly is that that is persuasive. Look, Jace Klusiewicz is a legacy kid, okay? Mm-hmm. We understand that at the University of Montana. So they probably have the inside track. But if, in fact... You know, pharmacy is something where he's like, yeah, you know, this is what I'm into. That's uh, specific to, you know, the University of Montana. Other kids, you know, pre-med, engineering, that kind of stuff. Okay, so when you talk about these two schools, they do have some overlap, but from pretty distinct departments that they're very strong in. And that can be, I think it is, maybe plays more into decision making than it would at, say, you know, the SEC level. Well, totally. Montana's not a STEM school, and Montana State is, and so that's a defining factor. Right. But one underrated part of where Montana State has gained a lot of ground is business is a pretty common major among particularly football players. Yeah. A lot of the guys I knew that played for the Grizz were business majors, and Montana has a great business school. Well, Montana State now also has a great business school. They've mm. invested a ton in the business school. The Jake Jabs Business Building is one of the, one of the nicest, new buildings. newer yeah. buildings yeah. on campus at mm. Montana State. So that kind of gives them an, an extra. It, it used to be, oh, if you want to go into business, you go to Montana. Mm-hmm. Now Montana State has an adequate argument for that realm as well. Well, it will, we, we'll do a fuller analysis of this of what kids, at least at this point in their lives, as their seniors in high school think that they want to study and try and pursue. But, you know, I think that that is uh, worth taking a look at as well. All right, we go to the phones now, and uh, it is time for a Wing It Wednesday. We'll welcome in Josh to the show. Josh, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Doing great, Josh. Appreciate it. Very much excited to have you here to do a little Wing It Wednesday. Here's the deal, my friend. You want wings to the Desperado, we got wings to the Desperado. You want a shirt, perhaps? We can get you that, too. And today, how about a bag of coffee? You know, we were we were replete well, with coffee in here today. Normally, I wasn't going to call in, but then I was like, hey, you get a bag of coffee just for calling. I mean, I'm down. Done Let's deal. Do this. Done deal. All right, here we go. Three Let's questions. You did it. Three questions, two of them for the wings, three of them, you get the shirt, and uh, unfortunately for you, I'm your lifeline, but we'll see what we can get done, all right? All right. Boy, okay. chicken wings really hit the spot. You ready? Tell me what wingy. All right. Here we go, Josh. These are Coulter's questions. I hold out very little hope for us, but let's see what we can get done yeah. here, okay? All right, Josh. We got yeah, more. I mean, you know. Sports is down, so let's uh, let's see what Coulter's got for us today. Okay. Right, I got a little men's tennis oh, history boy. questions. I, I do love tennis. Good. But That's good. Okay. We'll number, see what happens. Number one, <laughs> who has the most Grand Slam titles in men's tennis history with 20? Well, well, there's Pete Sampras and uh, Federer. Boy. I mean, I'm Djokovic not. Djokovic is right up there. Got to be right in there. I mean, it's it's between those two, I would think. Sampras and and um, Federer. I don't know, man. Is he right on that? Is he questions. right that it's between those two? Uh, well, almost. Oh. Both of those guys are in the top four. <laughs> oh, but neither of them are the Djokovic is got to be up there, right? Okay. One of them is the one. Djokovic is also in the mix in the top four. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right, so here's what I know, and, and I know Agassi's not in that group. I don't think, anyway. Um, and I know it's not him anyway. So the question is, is uh, did, did, did one of them win a Grand Slam? I'm going to go with Sambras. Why not? You talked yourself out of it, Josh. Oh, did I really? It was better? <laughs> better. Dang it, I knew it. <laughs> I was like, it's got to be those two guys. I just couldn't remember Federer passing Stanford. That's, that's pretty good. But uh, but don't fret and uh, don't forget that name because, number two, before the rise of <laughs> – here's, here's an amazing stat, and I'll tell the story of how I know these stats off the top of my head right after we get done with Josh here. But before the rise of Federer, 
Rafael Nadal and Djokovic. Yeah. They've all played in the same era. Those yeah. three guys are one, two, three in major championship wins. Wow. Right. Those, those three guys have won 56 out of the last 64 Grand Slam titles. Consider that. That's incredible. It's incredible, yeah. right? But before that, the all-time leader in Grand Slam victories had 14. Name that former great American tennis player. Well, I'm going to go with Sampras on that Yo, one. Pete Sampras <laughs> is the correct answer. Oh, yeah. I mean, this this guy right here is all over it here. This is great. I mean, I just couldn't remember when Federer passed Sampras. I, I, that was I'm actually problem. with you on this. It was. It feels like, okay, where are we at what, what, in, in terms yeah. of the totals? Yes, okay. So uh, Pete, Pete, Sampras, very good. Pete Sampras was basically the last great American tennis player. I mean, Andy Roddick yeah. kind of had a little bit of a right. splash, but nothing, but nothing like, like no, 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 no. Sampras. No. But right. American tennis players were among the best tennis players in the world for most of the 70s, 80s, and 90s. So other than Pete Sampras, name me one former American tennis player, or American former tennis player, I should say, who had seven or more majors in his career. There's four guys other than Sampras that are Americans that had more than seven career Grand Slam titles. Well, would it be Connors or McEnroe or... I mean, Agassi, maybe. I don't know if all Agassi three. actually had that many. All three really? Those, all three of those guys. Jimmy Connors had eight. On Agassi had eight. Yeah. Uh, John McEnroe had seven. Wow. Who was the, who was the fourth? Uh, the fourth, you never got this one, William Lennard. He played from 1901 till 1911. Yeah. Oh, the great Bill Lennard. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Bill Lennard. I mean, gosh, I named my first child after Bill. <laughs> it was a girl. <laughs> Uh, Josh, Lenard congratulations! Is a first name for a daughter, I'll oh, tell you that man. right now. She's going to be tough, if anything. Uh, going to be tough, yeah, if for anything. Sure. Uh, congratulations, Josh! You got yourself a bag of coffee. You got yourself wings to the desperado. Uh, we will get awesome. uh, you set up with all of that stuff. Uh, give your information there to Reese, so that we know where to track you down, and uh, and we will get you uh, all of your our, your winnings and perhaps more. Excellent. Thanks, guys. All Appreciate right. it. You got it, Josh. You have a good, great, great day. You too. Congratulations right. to Josh. Excellently done uh, by him. Okay, Coulter. So, uh, you know, pay it off. How do you know all of these tennis stats? We'll take a break. We'll take a break. We'll t- find out about Coulter's tennis stats. That's something to look forward to. That's going to keep him around for sure uh, right after this. Hey. What's the worst thing that can happen when you're wandering around in your yard? Okay, you roll your ankle, you get hurt, maybe. That might not even be as bad as this, stepping in a pile of poo. Man, that's the worst. Well, thanks to Montana Pooper Scoopers, at least you can avoid the poo in your yard with their weekly dog pick waste removal. Look, none of us want to deal with the dog waste in the backyard. So visit MontanaPooperScoopers.com to find out how you can set up a weekly or even just a one-time waste removal. Whether you got three Great Danes or just one Chihuahua, it does not matter. They will help you out. They service Missoula and Lolo. Montana Pooper Scoopers takes care of the job that no one in the family wants to do. Online at MissoulaPooperScoopers.com and mention this ad, you get $25 off your initial service. Okay, MontanaPooperScoopers.com. At Blackfoot Communications, we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running. From networks and security to communications and 24-7 support, we evaluate your current state infrastructure and deploy the right technology solution for your future. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, Blackfoot is here to help. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash business to learn more. Major League Baseball draft is underway. Spencer Torkelson. Great name. Spencer Torkelson, number one overall to the Detroit Tigers. A power-hitting first baseman who was introduced as a third baseman because I think Detroit wants to move him over to Hot Corner where he played in high school. Uh, But he went number one overall uh, to Detroit. By the way, Baltimore took the second uh, pick. Heston Kerstad out of... Arkansas. So there you go. Rocking and rolling the uh, Major League Baseball draft. You tell Nuwana is 1029ESPN.com. If you want to listen live, you can do that there. You can listen also on SWX 
Montana Television. We appreciate them for being here and uh, all the folks on the radio. Shout out to you. Uh, if you missed anything in the show, you can check it out on the podcast. The podcast available wherever you get your podcast. You listen live all the time on the podcast. Well, you're not listening live. You're listening after the fact, but you're listening whenever you'd like to on the podcast. Favorite podcasting platforms, rate, review, subscribe. Thanks to Blackfoot and Alpine Touch for putting the podcast up for us. Coulter, 90 seconds. Get fire away. Tell us tell us why you have all this wonderful tennis knowledge. I, okay, I, I'll go as quick as I can. I had, okay. a good, I had a good friend who's been living abroad. She's been living in Australia for several years. Um, she had already been planning on moving back stateside, but then the pandemic sort of accelerated that because there was going to be this date where the airports for international travel were going to close. Right. So she needed to get back into America. Right. She has then been living with her mother and her mother's boyfriend, um, basically quarantined while she tries to figure out what she's going to do next. So she's been living with them for a couple months. They, the couple, they had planned on going to the French open. It was like one of their bucket list mm. items. Didn't get to roll on Garros. So to thank them, she wanted to do something sort of unique for them. So she had me write a hypothetical French open finals article at, <laughs> that then featured her mom and, and Frank, the boyfriend at, and that their firsthand knowledge of Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal. So I wrote this narrative about those two guys battling it out. And Federer has never beaten Nadal at the French Open. Federer has been dominant in every hard surface, right. never beaten Nadal at the French Open. Nadal has won 12 of his 19 majors at the Roland Garros. Federer and everybody else against Nadal at the French. Exactly. So uh, it was fun. It was a really fun story to write. But I spent a, a lot of time researching the... Uh, Resumes of some of the all-time greatest tennis players, and I think it's very amazing that the three most prolific tennis players to ever live have all played in the exact right same generation. It's crazy. It's crazy. Boys and girls, this and so very much more tomorrow. I look forward to being back with you on Thursday. Tito Nuanas. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes. And they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org. Or, of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold. Or visit online anytime, anywhere, MSU Bookstore. .org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.